Two readings from 1 Corinthians at chapter 10. This is headed up as Idle Feasts and the Lord's Supper. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do, do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? Then chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Evening. So, I'm going to have a little time just to think about um, why is communion important to me? To you. Now, why is it important? Because we, we could be here all evening reading the passages and looking at what the theology behind it is and how that responds to the things that Jesus did. But actually, what does it mean to me? What, what happens to me? What changes do I feel when I come to the table? And um, I stopped and thought about it for quite a while and had to really reflect on what it was that was most significant to me. And I think there were two things in particular. So I'm going to share those with you first. And then, as Paul said, we're going to come around and see what sort of ideas you might have as well. So the first thing that I thought of was that actually this is a physical representation of God's perfect love and the grace that he shows us in Jesus. It's physical, it's tangible. And for me, actually communion represents a fresh start, a new beginning. So whatever's happened in those days and weeks in between the times I've taken communion, actually, this is an opportunity to start again with God. Maybe I've messed up, maybe I've let people down, maybe I feel like I've failed in all sorts of ways. 
this is an opportunity to have a fresh encounter with God, to ask for forgiveness and to ask for help to live in a better way in the future, a chance to commit again to following God's will for my life and to resolve to live in a more Christ-like way. So for me, it's, it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. And then the second thing that I thought was really important to me personally was that it feels like a family occasion. It's lovely to sit around the dinner table, isn't it, with family. And here we come together to collectively remember God's goodness and to remember his salvation. And together we're proclaiming our shared faith in the crucified and risen Savior. So we're praying for God's kingdom to come. We're praying for his will to be done in this church, in this community, in this nation, in the world. And I think that's really powerful and really significant as we join together in a sense of being united together around the table. So those were my kind of two personal reflections that I thought particularly um, about when it comes to communion. But it'd be really great to hear some other thoughts that maybe you've had um, in the last few moments, perhaps. I'm sure once one person said something, then lots of people will join in. A few other things are fairly obvious, I think. Uh, there's the proclamation, proclamation of, of the gospel and the act of remembrance. For somebody who's into the sort of historical things, I like to think of it as a historical thread that runs through from the early church uh, to ourselves now, even though there's been different changes of practice of how Lord's Supper has been celebrated. But this morning, um, I was looking on social media, and you can find some interesting things and useful things there as well as a load of rubbish. And there's an interesting tweet from a Southern Baptist pastor in Alabama, of all places, saying, I think we Baptists make too little of the Lord's Supper. More is going on than we think. I think one of the verses in Scripture that comes more readily to mind than most um, during this service is the, 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 are the words, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And uh, that reminds me that there was nothing attractive about me that would cause Jesus to love me. Uh, but I'm thankful that he does, and uh, the hymn writer, I think, uh, put it in better words than me when he said, Jesus, I have naught to plead on earth beneath or heaven above, but just my own exceeding need and your exceeding love. Uh, just from a practical purpose, I find um, you come to church every week and it can become a habit and communion makes me think about why I'm here. It grounds me and just reminds me of what, what God has done for me and why I'm here. I think for me it's the um, image of sitting at the foot of the cross and just knowing that that's the place where... Um, everything comes together, the forgiveness, the renewing. Um, it is the place where we're made complete and the space in communion, just to think about that, is really important. I am always remind myself that it's the Lord's table and I visualise that he actually is here with his people uh, it's not so much something we're doing, it's something that he is doing as he is 
He says, this is my body, this is my blood. I love the fact that not only, as Ian said, are we um, doing uh, something that has been done all down history um, since Jesus died and the first Christians met together, but also it's happening all around the world and in all denominations and all countries of the world, there are people celebrating communion together. So we're not just family here together, we're family um, everywhere, which is a wonderful thing. For me, it's just the colour of the wine just always reminds us of Christ's blood shed for us. And that when we come here in repentance, we have a complete forgiveness, a complete new sheet, a complete newness of life. And we're not left abandoned to do it ourselves, but Christ's Holy Spirit comes to us and lives within us and gives us all that we need to face life. So it's a time of renewal, really. Thank you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it brings me back to the central part of our faith, which is Jesus died for me. And we need to come back to that time and time again to remember his great love and sacrifice of coming to us for me, who is so unworthy for it. I think from my point of view, it's just one of those very few things that Christ actually commanded us to do. He didn't command us to build nice churches. He didn't command us to do PA or to learn to play the guitar. Um, it's one of the very few things that he commanded us to do this in remembrance of me. So even if we don't quite understand what's going on, it's obviously something pretty big. And that's what I tend to feel is it's, it's the big words that go with it. You know, Christ died for me, Christ rose for me. Okay, they're actually little words, but they're huge meanings. And, and that's what I tend to think about when I've got bread and got wine, is just the sheer meaning that sits behind short sentences. Okay. That was a wonderful time of sharing. Thank you. Paul's going to bring us a few more thoughts from the passage. Thank you, everyone, for contributing into that. The reading that we had earlier were two passages, both in the first letter of Corinthians. So you might wonder, well, what was communion like at the church in Corinth? We have to use our imagination a bit and perhaps uh, go to Aquila and Priscilla's house. Aquila, a Christian businessman from North Turkey. Priscilla, a Roman from the capital a rather unusual marriage. But they were keen Christians and they opened their house. And people would gather in the courtyard and they would sing some songs and they would hear some of the Old Testament read and there would be some talking around that. Perhaps a visiting Christian from Judea would bring out some of the sayings of Jesus, not at that time, put together into the New Testament in the way that we've got it, but uh, maybe snippets of Jesus' teaching that they knew and heard and had written down on parchment. Maybe someone would stand up in the name of Jesus and give a prophetic message to those who were there. 
Maybe someone would say, I have a picture during our time of prayer that I believe I should share with you. Because we know that the church in Corinth were using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the leader for the evening might say, we mustn't go away without recalling what Jesus did to make us his people. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, set us free from the grip of those evil habits that held us in bondage. Let us do as he did. Let us take and eat bread in remembrance of him. And so they passed the bread from hand to hand, reflecting on what it cost him to allow his body to be broken for them. And then the cup goes round the central room and the side rooms, packed with eager, reverent people. There is silence. And then a blessing is said. And they move out into the night and go home prepared to live another day for Jesus. And so from those earliest of times, communion has been shared amongst God's people. It didn't always go smoothly in Corinth. And the background to our readings was that sometimes there was division and argument. Sometimes there was greed and people were eating as if they were hungry rather than sharing the bread as an act of remembrance of Jesus. Sometimes there was irreverence and they were not focusing on the one whose name they were honoring. Sometimes there was compromise, taking the cup of the Lord and then perhaps going to the temple and worshiping idols of a different God. And the Apostle Paul in his writings in Corinth was leading the church to a better understanding of communion, to focus on what it really means. And in the passages that we read, there were two very important phrases. In chapter 10, the bread that we share, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Sharing in the broken body of Jesus. And then in chapter 11, do this in remembrance of me, remembering what Christ has done. Both is important. It is both a remembrance and a participation. It involves the past, the present, and the future. So what does it mean to me? I also knew that this was coming. So I had a few moments to think. And I've just put a few words, single words, against the image that we often see on the screen for communion to say what it means for me. It means thanksgiving because I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done. And here's a chance just to say thank you, Lord, that you died for me. It means forgiveness, because it's through the body of Jesus broken and his blood shed that my sins are forgiven and I can be made clean. It means healing, because it's with the wounds of Jesus that we are healed it is from his sacrifice that healing power flows to us today. It means commitment 
because he calls me to follow him and not to compromise that with following someone else as well. Not to share the body of Jesus, the cup of Jesus with the cup of demons, but only to be committed to him. It means sacrifice because just as he gave his life for me, he is calling me to offer my body as a living sacrifice for him today. It means fellowship because we're sharing this together. As Becky said, a family meal. Lovely that we come together to acknowledge our faith. And it means hope because one day this simple meal will be transformed into what the New Testament calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. A great feast in heaven as we worship our Lord Jesus in a way that we've never been able to do here on earth. And we look forward to that. So it means a lot to me to be able to stop and to take bread and to drink the cup, to be thankful and to gather with others who believe and together look to Jesus and look forward in hope.